channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on June 12th, 2020, and is current through Star Trek Picard Season 1, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. Catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are six television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone. And my guest this week is returning guest, Patrick Escudero. Patrick, welcome back to Weekly Trek. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me again. I'm really excited to be here. It is my pleasure. Well, Patrick, you know the drill. I want to know something that's got you feeling good about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Uh, For me, and this has had me going at Warp 10 for the last few months, is just the overall Star Trek community. We've all been going through this pandemic together and, you know, through the community on Twitter, through Facebook groups. I've just seen wonderful amounts of support from fans for each other, from Star Trek actors, crew, and, you know, everybody involved that has in some small way, you know, reached out to each other to try to support each other through this time. Uh, We've had, you know, people attempting to raise money to help others as well, which is just amazing. I mean, a great example of that is our friends over at the Trek Geeks Podcast Network last night did a live stream to help raise money for Feeding America's COVID-19 relief. And they had Jonathan Frakes on. It's just, just been great to see. And it's really helped me as well. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention the support that they gave not only me, but my nephew, who is a budding Trekkie and had his birthday in May while under quarantine. And I put something out on Twitter uh, about his birthday, and he just, there was a wonderful amount of support for him, just shout outs from everybody, people that I know, people that I don't know, um, and even, you know, Brent Spiner, Jeffrey Combs, Daniel Stewart, the official Star Trek CBS Twitter, uh, all sent him birthday shout outs that I I showed him and read to him. Um, We even had a special guest on our Zoom chat that weekend, Mr. Anson Mountain joined us. So it just has been, this wonderful outpouring of, outpouring of support, um, and I, you know, I appreciate it personally, and I love seeing it that you know fans helping each other and looking out for each other. I love that that picture of you and your nephew and Anson all together on a Zoom chat has to be one of my personal favorite pictures of any kind of fandom interaction anywhere. I thought that was a fabulous, fabulous thing for him to have done. It's just uh, it, unbelievable. I mean, really, all him. I, I just sent an email after he mentioned something on Facebook. I didn't know if it was going to happen. You know, I had a, a few contacts with, I, I guess, a person that works with them, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting there. We do these Star Trek days, we call them. They're usually in person, but we've been doing them over Zoom for the last couple of months, obviously. And this was kind of a special birthday one. And all of a sudden, you know, about 30, 40 minutes into our Zoom call, Anson Mount, his name pops into my my Zoom meeting, um, you know, asking to join. And I just was beside myself. It was really amazing. You know, we, we he was super nice. Wish Nathan, Nathan, my nephew, a happy birthday. Chatted, talked a little bit about um, actually, the episode brother, you know, he mentioned some stuff that we, we, I asked him some questions, Nathan talked to him, and it just was wonderful of him to do. And this was a couple of weeks before the Strange New World announcements, right? You know what was what's funny? Um, it was exactly, basically one week before. The announcement, I believe, was the Friday after 
uh, he, this uh, our meeting was on a Saturday or Zoom meeting, and the Friday after is when the announcement came out. And I was thinking to myself that entire time, you know, I really, I held off on asking anything about Strange New Worlds. I really wanted to, but that's not what he was there for. You know, it was, uh, it was just for my nephew and for his birthday. So, you know, di- didn't really try to get into that as a, you know, fanboy. And then all of a sudden the next Friday, I'm thinking, wow, you know, he was, he was probably on his own Zoom calls working with the crew and stuff, you know, to get ready for it at the you know, same time. So it's pretty amazing. Patrick, you could have got the scoop. You could have got him to admit he was doing it. I know, I know. I just, I was like, kicked myself a little bit for just not like at least hinting <laughs> at it. Um, it's, I, I sort of hinted at it. I did ask him a question on the call about projects he was working on that, you know, were affected by the... Uh, you know, the quarantine and he mentioned some stuff, you know, delayed and so on, but I really bit my tongue to uh, not mention the potential of Strange New Worlds. <laughs> well, you and I are on the same wavelength because you already mentioned the thing that I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week, which is our good friends, Bill and Dan at the Trek Geeks Podcast Network held a Feeding America fundraiser yesterday with special guest Jonathan Frakes. They had Jonathan for an interview for about an hour on YouTube. Very fun, uh, very engaging. Frakes is just a fabulous, fabulous guest. And they raised almost $5,000 for Feeding America, which is great. It was not a you had to be there or you you know you lose out kind of thing it is archived on youtube so you can check it out anytime it is a really fun conversation and i recommend it that was a lot of fun all right well with that let's turn to the week's top stories there's a war going on and i'm a reporter So our big story this week is after months of radio silence, we now know about the future of Star Trek Las Vegas for 2020, and its future is this. Star Trek Las Vegas will not take place on August 5th to 9th this year at the Rio in Las Vegas. Instead, it will take place December 9th to 13th at the Caesars Forum Conference Center facility, the brand new conference facility that is being built in proximity to Caesars Palace Hotel in Las Vegas. Yes, we have both a new date and a new venue for the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. The first time the convention has moved since it debuted at the Rio in 2011 after a run of several years at the Las Vegas Hilton. So this will be its third venue in its history. Obviously, August is not a good time. We are still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it seems like creation feels like a December convention is a more viable option than an August convention. I mean, we'll wait and see. Obviously, it's still six months away. So in fact, as of recording, it is exactly six months away from now. So there's a lot of time and lots of things will change between now and then. I think I personally am in sort of cautious wait and see mode before making any decisions about whether to attend this year. I think I was almost certainly not planning to attend in August were it to take place on its August scheduled date at the Rio. Very interesting about the change of venue also. The Rio, for anybody who's been to STLV, is a lovable dump. (laughs) We loved it, but it was a dump. And 
it was getting worse every year. And so very interested to see the change of venue. I'll be curious to see if that sticks. I would assume that it will, that this will be the venue for future years as well. But we don't know that for sure yet. Caesars Forum Conference Center facility is brand new. It is not actually connected to Caesars Palace. So Caesars Palace is not the hotel of the convention. The host hotel for the convention will actually be Harris Hotel, which as far as I can tell is directly linked to the new conference facility, which is also linked to the link and the Flamingo. So I know that folks who have been getting hotel reservations for STLV in December have been spreading themselves around all three of those hotels. Should you rush to get your tickets? Well, as I said, I think my plan is to sort of take a cautious wait and see mode because, you know, who knows what the pandemic situation will be in December, but the new venue is very exciting. I mean, it is a brand new facility, so it should have all the bells and whistles and, you know, have access to three separate hotels and all the restaurants and eateries that go along with it. Patrick, how are you feeling about this change in both date and venue for STLV? Well, it's interesting. And I, like you, was most likely not going to attend if it still took place in August at the Rio. And I think for a while now that that date was was very doomed. And obviously, as we've found out it definitely (laughs) was doomed. Um, And and I have to give kind of a a positive shout out to both the CBS, you know, teams, the creation teams in coordinating a move from one venue to another, probably this quickly and having a date in December. It's not easy. I've assisted with some very small conferences in the past. And I am well aware that anything with any sort of conference of any size is just a hassle with tons of stress and headaches all over the place, whether it's related to hotels or the conference center itself or guests and speakers. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. So, you know, bravo to them for pulling it off and, you know, trying to have something far enough away that hopefully things will be safer, but, you know, not rescheduling it all the way till next August, you know, 2021. With that said, I'm a little apprehensive about the date. I'm like you, I'm very much in the wait and see category right now. As you know, and as I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, conventions are pretty much endless lines and close contact, whether you're in the vendor's room, whether you're getting a photo op or an autograph, even the panels, you know, the chairs at the Rio are close enough together that they're actually linked and connected together so that they don't move very easily. So I was really hoping that with this announcement, they would have maybe added some specific information on what steps they're taking. Because I, you know, this this pandemic, uh, you know, COVID-19 isn't just going to go away magically. There's still going to need to be precautions in place uh, in December. I would have liked to see just, you know, some more specifics in terms of what they will be doing for guests, both maybe at the host hotel and at the convention itself. And Caesars, you know, while being a much larger venue than the Rio, at least that's what it seems from the uh, layouts that I've looked at, you're still going to be in very close contact with a lot of people. It's likely that it'll be a little bit smaller than the normal August convention. I'm guessing some of our our favorite actors and creatives and other folks may not attend, at least this year. So that's one of the big reasons why I'm on the fence. Not only that, but December is a bit of a tough date, if you want to describe it as that. It's between two major American holidays. You know, it's Thanksgiving, the end of November, and then you've got Christmas. A lot of people already have, you know, vacations, time off of work, pre-planned for that month uh, of December. And it is, it's 
close. You know, it's just before the middle of December when it's taking place. So it's in that time frame when a lot of people aren't really able to take extra time off. Um, you know, there, a lot of people have that time allocated already. So I think it will be a little bit of difficulty for people there, would be for me. But, you know, I, I think that it's probably a good move for them because any convention and having any sort of attendance is going to potentially help them recoup some of the costs of, you know, if they didn't have it at all. You know, it's, it's like a little bit is better than nothing. Um, and if that helps keep the convention alive for years to come by not canceling it altogether this year, then I'm all for that. And if I, you know, somehow am able to attend and I'm comfortable with the situation at that time, um, I, I will I will definitely try just to be a, a supporter of the convention because I've loved STLV. I've been two years in a row. 2018 and 2019. And I was hoping to make it an every year thing. Obviously, plans change, uh, especially this year. So I have my concerns, um, but kudos to them for trying to make it happen. I do have some future concerns, I guess, is kind of my final thought on this. I believe 2020 was the last year the STLV was scheduled to be at the Rio. And like you said, it is Caesar's, Caesar Forum is looking like the place that it's going to be from now and future years. I'd like to, you know, and they'll probably announce this when the convention happens in December. Is this definitely going to be the venue? It's a larger venue. I'm sure ticket prices won't change this year, but are there increased costs for them? And will that be passed down to us in future years as attendees in terms of uh, maybe large ticket prices. So, you know, there's definitely concerns for the future, some concerns for this year. But again, if people want to go and people feel comfortable, then, you know, great. Definitely go, definitely support what they're doing so that in 2021, 2022, and beyond, we can still have STLV. Yeah, I think I am with you that in order for me to attend, creation needs to do quite a bit more to demonstrate that they have a plan in place to to the extent that they can ensure the safety of both the attendees and the celebrity guests that they have present, many of whom are in uh, high-risk age categories. You know, so far, most of the announced guests for August have reconfirmed their attendance in December, and that includes people like William Shatner, who turns 90 this year, you know, who is going to be in close quarters with a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is going to need a bit more of a bit more information about that. And and I agree with you. The date's not ideal, but I think they probably did the best that they could. I mean, most conventions are in the process of either canceling or moving to new dates. And it's a bit of a rat race, I guess. This date, it also overlaps with the start of Hanukkah. So for Jewish Star Trek fans, if they had Hanukkah plans already, they're almost certainly not going to be in Las Vegas. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. And it's, it's a huge shame that the first year in this new venue is one that's going to be so obviously affected by this pandemic. I mean, even if things are better by December, they're not going to be all the way back to normal. And attendance will certainly be impacted as a result, not just because of the particular dates that they chose, which is going to be more challenging than August for many fans. So, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll wait and see, right? It, it, I think they've probably done the best they can to make the best of a bad situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to change their plans, you know, who, who had decided they would not be attending STLV this year, in which case, you know, looking forward to 2021 to get a look at the new Caesars Forum conference facility and how that shakes out too. Yeah. And my apologies to our Jewish fans. I totally forgot about Hanukkah. I'm really sorry. But yeah, that, that makes it even more of a, more of an issue. I didn't even realize that it does overlap the start 
of Hanukkah. So it just it's a it's a tough time for a lot of people. People are spending a lot of money around that time already, traveling already. You know, not just taking time off, but you know, between all the holidays, um, especially Thanksgiving. You know, which is right before. You've got a lot of people traveling. So I think it, it makes it tough. But as you said, it, it probably was a rat race to find a date that would work. Uh, you know, Caesar's Forum is brand new, and I'm sure they've been affected by the pandemic as well. So they probably have a lot of conventions moving to later dates from maybe when they were going to open in the summer. So it might have been the best they could find, but it's probably a race against everybody else that's uh, looking for those same dates. So, Well, if you are missing your summer Star Trek convention fix, now that there will be no STLV in August, there has been an announcement this week for a new virtual Star Trek convention that will take place in July. The imaginatively named Virtual Trek Con will take place on July 22nd to the 27th. The Virtual Trek Con is brought to you by the Seventh Rule podcast, which is Deep Space Nine star Sirat Lofton, who played Jake Sisko and also Ryan T. Husk. This will be a completely free online convention. Uh, it will be broadcast over YouTube, so very easy to get access to. Confirmed guests for the convention so far include Sarah Lofton, obviously, Doug Jones from Discovery, Nanar Visitor, Armin Shimmerman, Alexander Siddig, Robert Beltran, Gary Graham, Nichelle Nichols, and a few more. They're promising panels, opportunities to interact with the celebrity guests, even sort of a virtual vendors hall. Um, looks like a, it'll be a lot of fun for uh, getting just a small taste of the Star Trek convention experience from your own home, and you don't have to travel and you don't have to stand in line either. Patrick, do you think this is one you'll make some time for? Definitely. Definitely looking forward to this. I was a little surprised that kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, there's been a ton of virtual conventions going on from small to, to large. Uh, even this week, San Diego Comic-Con announced their Comic-Con at home for, I believe, dates that almost overlap this one. So I, I think it's great. I love that there's already 20 guests confirmed. It's a wonderful lineup so far and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of potential guest announcements in the next you know few weeks before it occurs uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear some more of our quote-unquote big names from Star Trek appearing in the list. We already have, you know, Nichelle Nichols, who's, I believe, doing some kind of pre-taped uh, message, maybe not being there, uh, being online live, but that's that's wonderful to hear. And I, I like this, not just for maybe this year, but if, it, if it's a success, if they can pull it off, um, if there's a lot of attendance. I'd love to see something like this maybe every year because not everybody is able to afford the high price of Star Trek Las Vegas um, or even the local conventions where maybe only a few of your favorite Star Trek actors are able to attend each year. Um, having something where you know you include a lot of a lot of these guests virtually gives people that that taste of, uh, like you said, that taste of, of what a Star Trek convention is like. You know, that taste of community. The, the interactions that you have with both your fellow fans and, you know, actors and other creatives from, from Star Trek. And the panels, as we've seen from STLV, you, you put a certain group of these folks together and it's just a, a laugh a minute situation. It's a lot of fun. So to expose even more people than normal to that, I think that's wonderful. And uh, I hope they're, you know, I hope it's able to, they're able to pull it off. I hope it's, a, it's great for everybody. And I definitely would love to see this, you know, a little premature to say that, but definitely love to see something like this in years to come. Well, shifting from conventions to some of the upcoming Star Trek productions, 
Very interesting thing about the untitled Star Trek Nickelodeon show. I wonder if it is untitled no longer. Well, we've not had an official announcement about the name for the, so far, untitled Nickelodeon Star Trek show, but... In two major national newspapers over the last two months, the second of which was just this week, a name has been offered for the untitled Star Trek Nickelodeon show, which I'm looking forward to no longer referring to it by that name. So the Los Angeles Times this week did a story on studios who were expanding their existing franchises and intellectual property. And as part of that, obviously, you can't talk about tentpole franchises without talking about CBS and Star Trek especially with so many Star Trek shows in production at the moment. And while running down the list of what was in production, the article refers to two animated series, Star Trek Lower Decks from Mike McMahon, which is expected this year, and also Star Trek Prodigy on Nickelodeon. Now, normally, it's not the kind of story we would run on Weekly Trek. It is one offhand mention in one newspaper. But what's interesting about it is that the Wall Street Journal, a couple of months ago, also ran a story on the Star Trek franchise and on Alex Kurtzman, where they also referred to the Nickelodeon Star Trek show as Star Trek Prodigy. So this is now the second major national newspaper that has, while doing a story about the Star Trek franchise and talking about the shows in production, referred to the Nickelodeon show by the name Prodigy. Now, is it called Prodigy? Well, I mean, who knows? It certainly could be a working title, might be subject to change. It might also just be the name of the Nickelodeon show. But when the name was first published in the Wall Street Journal a few months ago, I saw it. I decided not to say anything because it didn't seem like it was official enough to make mention of it. But now that two separate appearances have been made in two separate newspapers. I do have to wonder out loud, is the Star Trek Nickelodeon show called Star Trek Prodigy? Patrick, obviously we don't know if that is the name, but if it were the name, do you like it? I do like it. And I think all signs point to yes, with that being the name. Besides the most recent LA Times article, I, I did go back and I saw the Wall Street Journal article. And if you go all the way back to May of 2019, uh, when CBS registered some trademarks, Star Trek Prodigy was one of those. It kind of still falls under that realm of rumor and speculation, but it just seems to be super obvious at this point. If you have these major publications using it, their mainstream publications usually aren't the best at getting kind of the, the nitty gritty sci-fi details correct about shows. So for them to come out and use that, which wasn't really widely known, other than those of us that are crazy enough to pay attention to CBS trademarking, I have to, I have to believe that somebody at CBS for the article mentioned this to these, these folks for these articles or something along those lines. And the premise of the show from, I guess, the announcement previously was that it's a, about a group of teenagers that find a derelict Starfleet ship. So if you look at what the word prodigy means, usually means a young person that has exceptional qualities or abilities. Well, it takes some exceptional qualities or abilities to run a starship or to fix up a derelict starship. So that seems to run along with what the, the theme of the show is shaping up to be. So I think it makes sense. Uh, I like it. You know, I, I hope that they uh, eventually confirm it. And I do have uh, a final thought that I'll save for my predictions section related to this. But yeah, I like it. I think it's good. I personally think it's a little too on the nose. It's supposed to be a Star Trek show for kids. 
and calling it Prodigy just feels like you're calling it the Star Trek kid show in some ways. <laughs> so it's it's maybe not my favorite title, but it certainly does seem like, you know, that's a title. As you say, these newspapers aren't running it if someone at CBS isn't telling them it. So somebody at CBS has given them a piece of paper with a list of shows on it that lists Star Trek Prodigy or in interviews with Alex Kurtzman, that's what he's been referring it to. We don't know how, how or why this name keeps popping up, but certainly does indicate very strongly that at the very least, Prodigy is the current working title for the Nickelodeon show. But we'll see. Hopefully, it's a show we will learn a bit more about. We know that they finished writing the two seasons that the show was picked up for and are moving into the animation phase for it. So fingers crossed, we'll start to learn a little more about this show soon because so far, Patrick very capably and succinctly told us everything we currently know about the show itself. And our last story this week is actually less of a story and more of a bit of campaigning that one of our colleague news sites is doing on behalf of a beloved Star Trek actor in the name of reporting. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you've logged on to trekmovie.com at all over the last few weeks, you will have seen a couple of stories about sort of raising questions about Star Trek Strange New Worlds and whether Jeffrey Combs, the eponymous Star Trek actor famous for Shran from Enterprise, Wayun from Deep Space Nine, Brunt from Deep Space Nine, could possibly be a good candidate for playing the character of Dr. Boyce, who appeared in the original Star Trek pilot, The Cage. This all started with a tweet from good uh, Star Trek Twitter friend of ours, at Andorian Soup, who put a picture of Boyce and Jeffrey Combs side by side and basically said, you know, let's do this. Trekmovie.com then did a story about the tweet saying there was a lot of fan interest in it. They've done a couple more stories, which they're not really reporting. They're more like, trying to raise the profile of this idea of Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Boyce. I think this is one area where they are using the ability to report on things that aren't really stories to kind of raise the profile of something to maybe plant the idea in the mind of folks from Star Trek productions, because we know that folks from CBS read Trek Movie, Trek Core, the big sort of fan sites. But I'm not opposed to that in this case. Uh, I love Jeffrey Combs. I thought he was excellent. I would love to see him appear on one of the modern Star Trek shows. He does know that there is a bit of a fan campaign trying to get him a role in the show. He And he has said that if offered, he would absolutely be interested in doing something on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. He's also said, though, that he believes that people need to prepare themselves for the likelihood that that won't happen because studios are fickle beasts and they have their own intentions and people in mind for certain roles. But if there's any actor that we would want to do a bit of of advocacy on behalf of that actor and try and get the idea that, hey, you know, Alex Kurtzman's talking to Akiva Goldsman and, and says, hey, I wonder if Jeffrey Combs might be right for one of these roles, you know, then I'm perfectly okay with it in this regard. But um, Patrick, what do you think? Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Boyce? I'm all for it. We don't know if Boyce is even going to appear yet, but if he does, there, there are obvious similarities in look to Jeffrey Combs today and the character of Boyce at the time back in 1964. So I, I would be all for that. I am fine with kind of this cheerleading that's going on. Not so much news, but kind of trying to turn it into news because the folks at CBS, like you said, do check these fan sites, are checking Twitter, 
which is pretty obvious because we have strange new worlds basically because of fan enthusiasm and places like Twitter. And Mr. Combs himself is a, is a very versatile actor. Obviously, we all know him from Star Trek. He does a lot of voiceover work. So even if he's not cast as, as Boyce, maybe at the very least we could see him as uh, another crew member or even just kind of a single episode role if, if Strange New Worlds is going to be more episodic, uh, as, as has been said. Love to see him kind of in a, in a guest role as a major player in an episode if there is no Boyce or if he's not cast as Boyce. Because as he, as Mr. Combs has alluded to, you know, the studio works in mysterious ways. They may already have people in mind. There could be a short list to play Boyce. They could have already decided that Boyce isn't going to appear in the show at all. There's lots of things behind the scenes that we just don't know at this point. But I would love to see him, like you said, on, on a modern Star Trek show. He's a great part of the franchise. I loved him personally as Shran. I know most people usually pick uh, William or Brunt as their favorite Combs character, but I'm a, a big fan of Shran. And also, not to bring it up again, but he was one of the folks that offered some birthday wishes for my nephew. So if he needs another cheerleader for his casting, I'll start scheduling those daily tweets directed at the official Star Trek accounts right now if he wants me to. Yeah, I kind of have to feel like Dr. Boyce ultimately probably won't appear. My reasons for that being twofold. One, the three lead actors for the show are white. And so adding a fourth, you know, white kind of male character in a really central role doesn't necessarily feel all that great from the perspective of the Star Trek shows having done a decent job up to this point, the modern ones of advancing diversity. You know, once you've got the captain, the first officer and the science officer, you know, it's not a huge amount more kind of main sort of cast characters to go. And the doctor is a big one. And the, and the other reason that's tied to that too is Boyce and McCoy are not all that dissimilar, right? When the cage was rewritten to become the original series, you know, the name was changed, but many of the characteristics and intentions for that character were sort of the same. And we kind of had a lot of grumpy Star Trek old white male doctors at this point. You know, we had McCoy and then we had the EMH. It would be nice to kind of break out of that kind of mold and, and get, you know, a doctor with a bit of a different personality uh, and maybe a bit of diversity, in which case, you know, not voice. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, and it does seem like Strange New Worlds is going to be centered on the three characters. So how much of a role would there be for for Boyce? Is it, and I'm not sure, maybe Mr. Combs would want to be kind of just a, not a throwaway role, but something where he's uh, not in a lot of episodes or... So maybe as a single episode role where he is our villain of the week or alien of the week, you know, I'd love to see him in that type of role and maybe kind of avoid the voice character altogether. Like you're saying, we don't necessarily need another main cast member that is white on the show at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a long way from knowing the cast for a strange new worlds, but uh, fingers crossed that Jeffrey Combs is a part of it in some capacity. Very lastly this week, some sad news to share. We've lost a few more luminaries from the Star Trek family. Uh, in recent months, we've just learned that we lost John Winston, who played Lieutenant Kyle in the original series, who died in September of last year. 
Tiny Ron, who played Mehadu, Grand Nagus sex companion in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He also died uh, late in 2019. And then in the past couple of weeks, we've also lost Richard Hurd, who played Admiral Paris in Star Trek Voyager. Our thoughts and prayers go out to their families. Yeah, absolutely wonderful folks from Trek. You know, obviously Richard Hurd is Admiral Paris, but more famous for Seinfeld as George Costanza's boss. You know, John Winston, Lieutenant Kyle, and, and then, you know, his appearance in Wrath of Khan as Commander Kyle, you know, just a long legacy, especially on TOS. And I remember Tiny Ron most from The Rocketeer, which I'm a big fan of that that movie. Um, he was great in that uh, with all those prosthetics and definitely didn't look like himself, but was very intimidating back when I was, I guess, uh, 10 or 11 years old at the time. So yeah, my condolences to their families, wonderful folks. All right, well, we've talked about the facts. And now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, I and my guest give you a theory or wish we're nurturing about Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, the future of the franchise. So Patrick, let's hear your theory or wish about Star Trek Prodigy this week. Well, I have a theory that does include a part of... Star Trek Prodigy. Recently, and I think even within the last day or two uh, from our recording, the Comic-Con International announced their Comic-Con at home officially, taking place, I believe, July 22nd through the 26th. And it's a little early to talk about predictions related to Star Trek, but the last couple of years, Star Trek has had a, a big presence. You know, last year was Star Trek Picard, the year before was Discovery Season 2. And with STLV moving from August to December... They really don't have a big venue other than maybe this and any other virtual convention that Star Trek itself would want to host to make big announcements. So I think we're going to see some big news at this Comic-Con at home. And I'll go in my least likely to most likely uh, order. First being least likely, but I think it'll happen. The official announcement of the name Star Trek Prodigy. I don't think we'll get any sort of trailer or anything like that, but I think they're going to announce the official name, um, maybe a potential release date or at least the timing of the release, like fall 2021 or something like that. I, I think they're finally going to make it official. Might not be 100% likely, but at this point, with all of the references to the name Prodigy, I think they just need to come out and say it. My second prediction is I think we're going to see a Strange New Worlds virtual panel. Uh, there's a lot of virtual panels that will be part of this at-home convention for Comic-Con. I think we're going to get maybe some new news, maybe some new casting news, a couple of the, you know, maybe Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck will do kind of a virtual panel um, along with Alex Kurtzman, the possible production start date. Love to see that. And I think, you know, with the excitement in May from the announcement, they'll probably want to continue boistering that show. So I think we'll see something like a virtual panel um, or at least a pre-taped you know, thing where they, they come out and, and talk about it a little bit more. And I think finally, and what I'm probably looking forward to the most is a full Lower Decks trailer with an official release, which I'm hoping will be later in the fall. Um, I think we're going to finally see a, a full trailer, official trailer, um, maybe with a virtual, uh, another virtual forum with the cast uh, in, in attendance, the, the voice actors. I think that is most likely because from what Mike McMahon has said on Twitter, it does sound like things are still going kind of full steam ahead uh, with the show. So those are those are my predictions for Comic-Con at home. Patrick, this is so funny because 
I was having a lot of trouble coming up with either a theory or a wish this week. So I decided to come up with a question. And the question I came up with was, will this new virtual San Diego Comic-Con have any Star Trek news? And uh, <laughs> you have just answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was struggling with this. I had some, I started off with some strange new worlds theories but you, had, you and Jen Tift on a, a, the episode in May actually touched on some of the same stuff, so I didn't want to rehash it. Um, so I was kind of thinking, like, what should I talk about? And I saw the Comic-Con at Home stuff appear online, and I'm thinking, oh, that's great, you know, with STLV moved and Comic-Con at least happening, happening virtually. There probably will be some kind of Trek presence, as there has been the last few years. So that's kind of where it all kind of bubbled up from yeah i think obviously this the san diego comic-con virtual news is still very new they've not announced a full schedule we don't even know if star trek's going to have a presence there but a lower decks trailer actually would be a really good one like like one that actually might happen you know because like strange new world stuff they've announced the show but it feels unlikely that in only a month they would be in a position to say definitely when the cameras would start rolling and like until you kind of know all of that stuff you probably just you know, better off just saying nothing at all. I'm sort of hoping that based on my prediction for when Discovery would start airing, that uh, we will know that and the first episode will be right around the corner by then, though given we're now only four weeks out from my predicted start date for Star Trek Discovery Season 3 and we've still not heard anything, I think my hopes for a late July premiere are diminishing. But yeah, I think, you know, fingers crossed we get something, right? It would be really nice not to kind of skip over some kind of fun announcement or reveal or new thing this summer because of everything that's been going on. And, And a Lower Decks trailer would be a lot of fun. I mean, aside from the couple of stills of the characters, we really still have seen and heard nothing about that show, but we know that it's happening and it's on track for a 2020 completion and being ready to air, which is, you know, we're now halfway done with 2020. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm being very positive, which is unlike me for some of these. But yeah, I had that as my most likely. I think it, they probably already had something in the works, uh, you know, before everything happened with maybe releasing a trailer, or releasing more information. I'm assuming they probably held off on that. So I think it is most likely that we'll see something with lower decks, at least, if not a full track panel, uh, maybe not announcing, you know, production starts for sure. New Worlds or anything like that, but just whatever news that they want to disseminate to us that has kind of been held off in the last couple of months. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, or the future of the franchise that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek, and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Patrick Escudero, for joining me today. Patrick, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? I am on Twitter at Patrick E 34 and feel free to shout out anything to me about Shrek and I will likely respond. And you can find this show on Twitter at weekly Trek and me at Alexander T Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. Prosper.